And I'll read from chapter 39, verse 20, picking up from Joseph just having been wrongly accused by his master's wife. Hear God's word to you in the book of Genesis. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warder. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw they were dejected, So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favourable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, 
and he gave a feast for all of his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Thanks so much for reading, Sam. Keep that in front of you if uh, you've got a Bible. We're going to need that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us your word. There's a light unto our feet. It guides us. It shows us what is true, what is good, what is pleasing to you. We pray this morning that you would show us those things from these words. In Jesus' name, amen. As Christians, um, when we're praying for one another, often we'll pray something like, may the Lord be with you. May, May the Lord be with them. In the past, in some churches, and even today, the the, the minister, the person leading the the service, would begin by saying, the Lord be with you. And and the congregation would reply, and also with you. May the Lord be with you. And we say it, and it feels like the right thing to say, doesn't it? The right thing to pray for. But then often we just say it. I don't really think, well, what does it mean? What am I praying for when I say, may the Lord be with you? Look, our section starts back in chapter 39 with the assurance that the Lord is with Joseph, even when he's far from home. Let me read you those words again from chapter 39, verse 20. While Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him. Look what it means. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything he did. Twice, we're told, the Lord was with Joseph. And you read those verses, and you get something very similar at the beginning of chapter 39, And you think it's obvious what it means. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. For Joseph, the Lord be with you, sounds like it means success, doesn't it? Actually, it sounds a bit like it means kind of career success. He's put in charge of everything. So so what we're praying for when we pray the Lord be with you, that the Lord make you successful In your career, is that what we're praying for? If you're still flipping burgers in McDonald's, then maybe the Lord isn't with you so much. If you're the manager of the store, the Lord's with you a bit more. But if you are the chief executive of McDonald's, then you've reached Joseph status. The Lord really is with you. Is that what we mean? May the Lord be with you. Give us success. Well, yes and no. Let's have a think. First of all, the Lord is with those who serve and speak in the darkest place. Now, if you hear last week, you'll remember that Joseph did the right thing. He chose honesty and faithfulness and obedience to God. He chose not to sleep with another man's wife. 
And what did he get for his honesty and his faithfulness and his obedience? He got prison. 39 verse 19, when his master heard the story his wife told him, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. Before getting into our chapter, it's so important that we let this sink in. Sometimes for a Christian, the choice is going to be between sin or suffering. And we need to get used to this idea. There will be times when you will be tempted to keep quiet, to turn a blind eye, to just go along with whatever is happening around you. And if you do that, life will go well for you. But if you speak up, if you choose truth, if you choose the way of Jesus, you will suffer. And as an old 17th century preacher put it, fear sin more than suffering. Fear sin more than suffering. See, Joseph chose suffering. But in our suffering, we're not alone. While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And as we've seen, things seem to go well for Joseph. Just like when he was in Potiphar's house, the Lord was with him and Joseph was successful in all that he did. So here the Lord is with him and everything seems to go well for Joseph. And that's why we think, oh, look, that's what it means for the Lord to be with us. He gives us success. He makes everything go well. Then I think this is what we miss with Joseph. Yes, the Lord was with him. And yes, he was successful. But remember who he is and where he is. He is a slave and he is in prison. And as you come into chapter 40, as if to stress that point, six times in as many verses, we're told that Joseph is in prison. He's locked up. Yes, the Lord is with Joseph. Yes, the Lord makes Joseph successful. But what does that mean? It means he is able to serve the Lord and speak for the Lord in the darkest place. He serves the Lord. Two important prisoners are brought to the prison. Pharaoh's chief baker and chief cupbearer. One's in charge of food. One's in charge of drink. Their job is to keep Pharaoh watered and fed. But these two officials, they upset Pharaoh and they end up in prison. Under Joseph's care, verse 4. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. And like we saw last week, there's, there's no hint of resentment or bitterness in Joseph. No grumbling or complaining how unfair everything is. He knows it's unfair. He's going to say that later on. But he's, he doesn't grumble, he doesn't complain. He gets on with the job he's been given. And he seems to genuinely care about the cupbearer and the baker. Look at verse four again. After they'd been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? See, Joseph sees that something is troubling the baker and the cupbearer, and he is concerned about them. He takes an interest in them. Basically, he's just doing his job well. 
Yet the Lord is with Joseph. The Lord makes Joseph successful. But what does it look like? It looks like serving the Lord in the darkest place. He does his job well as a slave in prison. So yeah, pray, Lord, be with me. Lord, be with them. But are you prepared for him to give you success, not by living your best life, but success living in the darkest place? Lord, be with me. Make me successful. Help me, help me remain faithful at school when everyone else around me seems to have no interest whatsoever in Jesus. Or oh, Lord, help me show patience to a housemate who seems determined to wind me up. Help me to serve you in the darkest place. And Joseph doesn't just serve the Lord, he speaks for the Lord as well. So the two prisoners are worried about the dreams that they've had. And what does he do? He points them to God. Verse 8. We both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. Speak to me about your dreams and I'll speak to my God. I love this response. That's what I love about it is just the simplicity of Joseph's faith. Of course, my God can help. Even though he's been a slave and a prisoner away from home, maybe getting on for 10 years at this point, he is still so convinced that his God is sovereign and Lord and good and knows all things. That it's the most natural thing in the world for him to say to these unbelieving Egyptians, my God can help. Let me tell you about my God. Now, when it comes to sharing our faith, I think we we complicate things, don't we? We complicate evangelism with fear. Could possibly say anything. Or we complicate evangelism with thinking we need to be super intellectual and have all the answers. Or, Or we complicate it because we assume that people will think that we are weird if we talk about Jesus or prayer or God. But for Joseph, it is just obvious that he's going to point them to his God. Maybe, maybe this is where we can learn from children. Kind of Christians, you know, you, you're doing the right thing. You bring your children up, telling them that God is good. You, you tell them that God is powerful, that God is loving. You, you tell them that Jesus is king and Jesus is savior. And do you know what they do? They take that at face value. <laughs> they actually believe it. And so when they chat to their non-believing grandparents, they they say things like, Granny, why don't you go to church? Or Granddad, why don't you trust in Jesus? You know he can forgive you. Or Granny, why don't you pray to God? He's good. He hears our prayers. And as parents, you're, you're cringing. Please don't say that. But why not say that? Why don't I say that? And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams and I will speak to my God. I was chatting to a neighbor before the summer and he had a a diagnosis from the doctor, which was pretty grim. And he's kind of a stoical kind of guy. He's, you know, everything will be fine. Soldier on. I thought maybe we just leave the conversation there. But 
The Lord was kind. It just popped into my head. And you're going to think it was the most obvious thing in the world. But I believe in a God who hears and answers prayer. I'm going to tell him. Well, we'll be praying for you. We'll speak to our God for you. It's the most obvious thing to say, isn't it? And yet we never say it. Joseph pointed people to his God even in the darkest place. So yes, ask the Lord to be with you. Ask him to give you success. But don't think that will necessarily mean a job promotion and a bigger bank balance and all your dreams coming true. More likely, it will mean that he helps you to live for him and speak for him in the darkest place. In the Second World War, many of us perhaps would have heard of Corrie ten Boom. She and her family were living in the Netherlands. And the Nazis invaded. And amidst the invasion, the troops pouring in, Corrie prayed a simple prayer. Lord, use me however you see fit. Make me a success however you think that should be. Corrie and her family went on to hide 800 Jews from the Nazis before they themselves were caught and they were sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp. Corrie's father died. Her sister died. But while she was there in the darkest place, the Lord continued to use her. Corrie had a small bottle of medicine which she would give to other prisoners around her to help heal any ailments. She served. And she smuggled in a Bible, miraculously. It was never found on her person. She brought it into the camp. She was able to point people to the hope that is in Jesus. The Lord was with Corrie Ten Boom. He gave her success. She lived for Jesus and spoke for Jesus in the darkest place. So yes, pray, Lord, be with me. Give me success. Help me to serve you and speak for you in the darkest place. And success. Or maybe that is when you are crippled with cancer and yet you still manage to speak encouragement to disheartened brothers and sisters. Or success is maybe when everyone at school seems to be against Christ. And you still manage to say to a friend who's struggling, do you know what? I'm going to pray to my God for you. Or success is when all your hopes and plans and dreams have crumbled, but you still manage to love your husband and wife. You still manage to come to church and spur on other believers. Success. The Lord be with you. Serving Christ and speaking for Christ. In the darkest place. Secondly. The Lord is with those. Who wait and hope. In the darkest place. Joseph hears the dreams. And he's able to interpret their meanings. We'll come back to some of the details in a moment. But essentially. The cup bearer dreams about three branches on a vine tree. And they bud. And then they blossom. And then they produce grapes. And in his dream, he sees himself taking the grapes, pressing them, and serving the wine to Pharaoh. And Joseph explains what it means. Verse 12. The three branches are three days. 
Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to when you were his cupbearer. And then the baker hears the interpretation. And he thinks, that's a pretty positive interpretation for the cupbearer. Maybe I'll ask Joseph to interpret my dream as well. Do you know my favorite emoji? This isn't going to work on some people, but my favorite emoji, I don't use it enough. It's that awkward face emoji, kind of the grimace with the teeth showing. Just imagine Joseph when he sees the baker walking over to him wearing that emoji. Because this interpretation isn't going to be so pleasant. Verse 16, when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Now, birds are usually bad news, aren't they? I don't watch many horror films, but when I do, there's often birds involved, hovering around, picking on something, screeching or, or squawking. You know, if the baker had seen a few more horror films, he would have known that this was not a good dream. And so it proves, verse 18. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole. And the birds will eat away your flesh. With the Lord's help, Joseph is able to interpret the dreams. And between the two interpretations, he asks the cupbearer for help. Verse 14. When all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Don't belong here. Remember me, says Joseph. And if you're reading this for the first time, at this moment, hope starts to build, doesn't it? Because the Lord is with Joseph. He's doing a great job. He's innocent. He's helped the cupbearer with his dream. And the cupbearer is released. Hope is building. We expect a happy ending. But verse 23, the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Such a disappointing end, isn't it? You know, our expectations are being raised. Joseph is going to get out. And it must have felt that way for him. I can see what you're doing, Lord. I can see why you sent those two prisoners. I can see why you gave them dreams and gave me the interpretation. You are creating an escape route for me. You're getting me out. But... The chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. And if you flick on to the next verse, chapter 41, verse 1, it is another two years before Joseph is released. The Lord makes Joseph wait. And that is very often our experience, isn't it? Sure, we're not in the same pit that Joseph was in. We have our struggles. We have our concerns. We have our anxieties and our worries and our needs. And we pray and we pray and we pray and nothing happens. The Lord makes us wait. I think that's why so often in the Bible we're told to pray with perseverance. Pray without ceasing, without giving up. Because very often our prayers are not answered straight away. 
We need to keep crying out to God. He wants to keep us waiting. Why? Don't know the specifics. But reading something this week by a 17th century pastor called William Gurnell, he suggests a couple of things, which I thought were useful, so I'm going to share them with you. He said the Lord makes us wait for two reasons. Be on the screen. Because waiting brings glory to God. The Christian honors God by holding fast his integrity and keeping his allegiance firm when he seems to be neglected and forsaken by God. Still keep trusting you, Lord. Even though I have to wait, brings glory to God. And waiting brings us greater joy. Delayed mercies taste sweeter and give more joy and thankfulness because the Christian's desires are sharpened by long waiting and long praying. Waiting brings glory to God. It brings us greater joy. Brothers and sisters, when you're in the darkest place, wait upon the Lord. Pray without ceasing. Pray with, uh, with perseverance. Do not give up. It brings glory to God and in the end, greater joy to you. So may the Lord be with you. May the Lord bring you success. May he help you to wait in the darkest place. To pray and pray and pray for his glory and your joy. But how do you keep waiting? How do you keep persevering in prayer when everything around you is screaming? He's not there. He's not listening. Joseph was kidnapped and thrown into a pit by his brothers. Joseph was sold as a slave to Egypt, and just when he seems to be getting back on his feet, he's thrown back into prison for doing nothing wrong. Joseph was given responsibility in prison, and again, he seems to be getting back on his feet. Looks like he might be getting out. But verse 23, the cupbearer did not remember Joseph. How, How do you keep waiting when all the evidence around you screams, the Lord has forgotten you? The Lord doesn't care. He's not listening. How does Joseph keep believing and waiting? Because although the Lord left him in the pit, he did not leave him without hope. So Joseph interprets these two dreams. He says the cupbearer and the baker will be released from prison in three days. The cupbearer released to serve Pharaoh, the baker released to face execution. And what happens, verse 20? Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. He gave a feast for his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that once again he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said. The dreams come true. This is the hope that Joseph has when he's in the darkest place. Dreams, dreams from the Lord, they come true. Now, why does that give Joseph hope? Because the Lord gave Joseph two dreams. Two dreams that one day he will become a ruler in Egypt. And he's just seen with the cupbearer and the baker that dreams, dreams from the Lord come true. That is why he is willing to wait. 
because the Lord has given him hope. Dreams come true. One day he will be set free and he will be raised up and he will be ruler. The Lord leaves Joseph in the pit, but he does not leave him without hope. And the Lord may leave us in the pit and in the darkest place, but he never leaves us without hope. Not so much that dreams come true, but God's word, God's promises come true. See, the thing you can't help but notice in this chapter are the allusions to Jesus, his death and his resurrection. Between Joseph are two criminals, one who is raised up to be judged and the other who is raised up to be forgiven. Between Jesus on the cross are two criminals, one who dies with a hard heart, the other who dies trusting in Jesus. And then notice all the threes in the passage. They're everywhere. In those two dreams, three branches, three stages, blossoming, budding, fruit, three actions, picking, pressing, placing, three cake baskets. And what do those threes point to? Verse 12 This is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you. Or in three days, you will be raised up. Resurrection is coming in three days. Joseph is repeatedly saying in three days, resurrection will come. In the gospel, Jesus keeps saying the same thing. Mark chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. He must be killed and after three days rise again. And he keeps saying it. Mark 9, verse 31, I will be killed and three days I will rise again. Mark 10, verse 34, three days I will rise again. He keeps saying it. And just as Joseph's promise about a resurrection in three days comes true, so does Jesus' promise. He is arrested. He is crucified among two thieves. And three days later, he rises again. The resurrection of Jesus on the third day is proof that Jesus' words come true. And that is our hope in the darkest place. Joseph was given hope. Dreams come true. We are given hope. Jesus' words come true. And that means all of his words. Do you know some of the last words that Jesus shared with his disciples before he went up to to glory? Matthew 28, and surely I am with you always until the end of the age. This is our hope in the darkest place. Jesus' words come true. He is with us always, even in the darkest place. He will never leave us or forsake us. He has promised he will never forget us. Do you know when he's dying on the cross between two thieves? One of the thieves turns to Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. A bit like Joseph saying to the cupbearer, remember me when you come before Pharaoh. 
But wonderfully, Jesus is no cupbearer. He says to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. I will never forget you. And so we wait. We wait with hope because Jesus' words come true. In three days, I will rise again. And he did. He will never forget us. He will never leave us. One day he will come and he will take us out of the darkest place to be with him in paradise. The Lord didn't leave Joseph without hope. Dreams come true. And he doesn't leave us without hope. Jesus' words come true. And so we say and we pray, Lord, be with me. Lord, be with them. Give them success. And it's fine to pray that prayer as long as we realize that what we may well be praying is that the Lord would help them speak for him and live for him in the darkest place. And the Lord would help them to wait for him and hope for him, even in the darkest place. I'm going to say, may the Lord be with you. I'm going to invite you to respond and also with you. May the Lord be with you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we so much that we could pray, so much that we could thank you for, for just that thought at the end, that Jesus' words come true. In three days, I will rise again, he said, and in three days, he did. Every word of his comes true. Every promise especially the promise that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he will never forget us. That one day, like he said to the thief, we will be with him in paradise. Lord, however dark our darkest place gets, may we never lose hope. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing.